Welcome to the SEC Football Show. This is TJ Pittenger, your host, joined as always by Chris Landry. Chris, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. Ready to break it down. Uh, a lot of a lot of good. A lot of not so good around the conference this week. Yeah, so we're going to break everything down for you. We are going to get to every game that happened. We're also going to preview the games for next week. But we really can't start this without starting at the top. And what in the world happened in Knoxville this weekend, Chris? Well, it was really uh, alarming to watch and see. I thought there were some uh, effort issues at times. There was certainly some fundamental misalignments on the defensive side. Um, you know, the, the the problems at the line of scrimmage that I had concerns about with Tennessee going into the season was not applicable in my mind to this game against Georgia State. Um, look, you, you, you got – Tennessee has to run the ball well to have success. Um, and, and after some early success, they couldn't do it. Georgia Southern ran right at Tennessee's defense. They were in wrong gaps, misalignments uh, consistently. Um, Tennessee, just the defense uh, on third downs were a real big problem. Um, they allowed Georgia Southern to convert too many times on third downs. Uh, you know, I thought they played hard in stretches at Tennessee, but, but for Tennessee, but, but not enough. Just really a poor job. Um, they, they gave up Tennessee's defense, gave up 213 yards rushing to a, a, a team that I think is one of the would be in the bottom five personnel wise uh, in the Sun Belt. So under 90 yards rushing themselves. So offensive line, defensive line problems. They, they did have some yards on offense, but they couldn't convert into first downs, three turnovers. Could defense couldn't get off the field. So listen, it's a it's a lot of problems that kind of converge together. I don't know how their practices went in terms of how much hitting they did. I don't know if their legs were dead. I don't know what the issues were. I do know there's been a lot of talks about Sean Elliott, Georgia Southern coach, that felt that he had a really good advantage against them. In fact, we got a question in. I'm going to throw this in because this came in on Twitter. Casper asked uh, that the Georgia State coach, that Sean Elliott, said they felt they could control the line of scrimmage after watching the tape from last year, and it's a glaring flaw. Uh, is it a, the question to me is it alignment, execution, scheme? Well, the biggest thing was alignment and execution. Um, the scheme itself, you, there, the scheme wouldn't be a factor in a game like this so much as the uh, uh, execution and alignment, and those were very, very poor with Tennessee. And I would throw in the fact that at times, breaking down the tape, Casper, that the effort wasn't all that good either. So all those things, I think, factored into it. And, you know, it is a, it's an alarming loss to lose to an opponent like this. And, you know, let's, let's put this in perspective. Butch Jones, you know, and he was certainly run out of town and, and, and made fun of. You know, won nine games a couple of years ago. Um, never lost a game like this to an opponent like this. So this is a real good, real big gut check for uh, Jeremy Pruitt. It's a type of loss that could. Landry's not saying it will. I'm just telling you, in my experience as a coach, this is the type of game that you could lose your team over. You have to make sure that you don't. And you can't beat up your team because your team is being beat up by everybody on the outside. You've got to build them up. 
and you've got to focus on things that you are doing well in practice that you've got to build upon and you've got to take ownership of it. And you've got to build that, that ownership, you know, that you got to take hold of as your team, as, as players, they got to take control of this because they're going to play a physically tough team in BYU. I expect to see Tennessee's best effort because I think you respond out of embarrassment. Um, but, but I think we're going to learn a lot about whether this team at least has some fight in it this week. Yeah, definitely be easy to give up after a game like that. So it'll be interesting, and we'll certainly preview Tennessee's game later. Uh, let's talk about this one as well. We'll kind of do the big ones first. Tell me about Missouri. Also a little bit of a, a shock here. Uh, what happened? Well, I got to tell you that, um, you know, Kelly Bryant did not play well. I thought that was certainly a problem. I, I was very disappointed in the defense. Um, in addition to having a couple of turnovers, a red zone interception, they, they worked their way back in the game, but um, the, the, the offense just didn't do a very good job in the red zone, and defensively they gave up big yards. Uh, the defense didn't show up in this game. I did not think Wyoming's offense um, – would have the type of success. I don't, I'm not really impressed with Wyoming's offense, but Missouri's defense did not show up and they couldn't defend in the red zone. They couldn't run the ball or stop the run. It's as simple as that. And the turnovers, um, you know, playing a game in Laramie doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them, but you know, you still can take care of business and win that game. That's a whole different, uh, different conversation altogether, but mistakes are concerned. So, so much for that eight and start for Missouri. Uh, they got a long way to go. Uh, because um, they, they've got a lot of improvement to do on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think a couple of SEC opponents that have them later down the road, not that they can't get this fixed or can't rebound, maybe breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Like you said, we were talking about Missouri going into Georgia, potentially undefeated. And, uh, you know, boy, they've, they've got a long road to, to get back to that. Uh, another big one from this weekend, South Carolina yeah, North let me Carolina. let me get to, let's let's get to Auburn first because I oh, mean okay. I, obviously that was the big matchup of the week that you know that that I think needs to to be center stage and that listen I, I got to tell you that that I thought Oregon missed their opportunity to win this game I thought that that Auburn um, it really struggled defensively that they were blocked early by Auburn's front off, offensive line but Auburn couldn't capitalize uh, Oregon couldn't capitalize. And I got to give a whole lot of credit to that defense of Auburn showing up big. I mean, big in the second half. They shut down Oregon in the last seven series. Uh, what a really good job. They allowed the offense a chance to win it late. And I thought in this game what they did was they were not going to put the ball in Bo Nix's hands. They were very vanilla. But when they were down, they needed to be a little bit more aggressive, and Bo Nix really balled out towards the end. What a really good job. I thought the run game, and especially the defense, was the key for Auburn staying in the game, and then Bo Nix made significant plays down the stretch to get it done. So um, really, really impressive performance to pull a game out, um, but that's a tough one from an Oregon standpoint that you got to be able to finish and people, they will look at it and say, we should have won it. We should have did that. But that's the difference between, you know, being a difference making type team and finishing a little bit of a trend. I don't want to be too hard, 
but Oregon couldn't close the deal against Stanford last year, couldn't close the deal here. That's something they've got to look at. But for Auburn, hanging in there defensively, very, very impressive. That defense is for real. Uh, they went up against a good offensive line and a, a good scheme that really challenged them, but they didn't get worn out. They stood tall when it mattered the most. And listen, Bo Nick's confidence level got to be really sky high after that one. Yeah, and we've talked about how tough Auburn's schedule is. They're probably going to have several losses this year. Uh, you know, I don't want to go out and predict it just yet, but maybe this is a game that if they can get a couple more of these big wins may save Gus's career. I can tell you if they'd have lost this one, especially the way they were down, I don't see a way that he sticks around after next year with the schedule they have. So big big win for them, but, yeah, I think Oregon kind of just blew this one. So um, what about Memphis? Memphis beating Ole Miss. I don't know. That, I mean, Memphis was favored, so not maybe not the biggest surprise there, but what, what about that game there? Well, uh, you know, I thought defensively Ole Miss looked better. I mean, I thought they were lined up a lot better. I think Mac McIntyre's had a positive impact uh, on that defense. But offensively, they they just got uh, Ole Miss got outplayed at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. Um, they couldn't move the football on offense. Rich Rodriguez doesn't doesn't have a, a magic, you know, wand. They're just not very talented. They're just not very good. Uh, Ole Miss, their offensive line. Uh, there were 10 tackles for losses by Memphis. The offensive line could not sustain in the run game. They they could not pass protect. They gave up a safety. So um, this is going to be difficult to get out of that hole. They've got Arkansas this week in a matchup of two teams that weren't all that impressive, but at least Arkansas got a win. And uh, that, that game may ultimately determine who's in the basement of the West of the SEC throughout the year. But uh, Memphis, pretty good offense, and I thought they did a good job defensively of holding their own against them. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that kind of went down like we thought, but Ole Miss's defense at least didn't didn't look as bad. So, all right, now we'll get to this one. Big upset, the belt kickoff. South Carolina was a 10-point favorite against North Carolina. It really probably should have won this game and also gave it away. What would you think there? Well, they did give it away. Jake Bentley really missed too many throws, too many mistakes, two interceptions in the final minutes. But you know what? They didn't run the football very well either. Defensively couldn't get off the field. They didn't play very well defensively. They had a 20-9 lead. They gave North Carolina life with mistakes, missed opportunities to close the game out. Offensive line played poorly. As I mentioned, the running game still a problem. Jake Bentley um, continued to struggle as a result. They settled for field goals early. Um, and then, you know, they couldn't put North Carolina totally away. And so when you give up two 90-plus yard drives, you can't sustain anything offensively. All of a sudden, you come out of it with a, what I think is a devastating loss. Of the, the games this weekend, that were is is damning. I, I think Tennessee, South Carolina, and Florida State are kind of in that same group. This is a deep into the tenure of Will Muschamp, and there's a consistent lack of focus and finish and discipline and fundamental adjustments that are con continuing to happen at South Carolina deep into his tenure, um, and it's a problem, and it's a big problem, and. You know, I looked at their schedule and thought that they could maybe get seven wins. One of them was North Carolina. And so they're without that win. 
that means they're going to have to do something that, quite frankly, I don't know that many of us see them doing. They're going to have to pull an upset or two to even get to a bowl game this year. This this is a really, really tough loss when you throw in the fact that it's this deep into his tenure, and I think the confidence level that they have into him, again, losing to Georgia is expected. Uh, losing to Clemson is expected. There are a couple of other games where if they play well and lose, that's one thing. To not play well, to fall apart, to have mental errors, to have this many mistakes at this stage of his tenure is really damning for Will in South Carolina. Yeah, for sure. Then there were a couple of games that were a little closer than maybe expected. Kentucky, Toledo, Mississippi State, Louisiana, and Arkansas over Portland State. The SEC teams did win in each of those, but were those games a little closer than you were expecting? No, I thought Toledo would play Kentucky well. I thought Kentucky did a really good job. thought they got something out of the passing game with Terry Wilson. It wasn't easy, but really good running game. I thought the receiver stepped up. Oliver Wagner, Ali, along with Bolden, it was a nice win against a pretty good team. Um, I'm encouraged by what they got done on offense. Look, they're going to look different. They're losing. They lost two great players, one on offense, one on defense. So they're going to look a little different. Um, but you know, at this stage and it's one week and it's not a season. If I would have sit there and say, who's the third best team in the East. And I know that's kind of like being the winning, a, a the, the, the tallest midget contest, uh, at this stage. I mean, who's the third best team in the East? Off of one week, probably got to say Kentucky. And we'll see what Missouri can do to turn it around, what South Carolina can do to turn it around. But Kentucky is steady as she goes. Good defense, well coached, good at the line of scrimmage. And if they can get Wilson to make plays, who knows? They may end up having another good year in Lexington. Yeah. And then Um, there were – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you – No, no, I I was going to mention too that – in the Mississippi State, the Louisiana Lafayette game is a little bit of a strange game. They, they had a lot of players that were suspended like Friday prior to the game. I thought that contributed to the lack of tempo and maybe focus. I thought Tommy Stevens was okay. He had some nice throws. I thought he kind of moved the offense pretty well with his legs. I think he has a chance to be a little bit you know, uh, in, uh, better on offense. It's going to need to be a lot better because I think defensively, they're going to be, in some regards, a little bit underrated in that I think they've got some good talent, um, but they're going to miss some key guys. The biggest takeaway, Kylan Hill is a man. And I'll get into some game balls a little bit later in the show. He got the biggest game ball. He was the player of the week in the SEC. He controlled the game, thought he was outstanding, and he's going to be one of the best running backs in this league. In a league where you got... Loaded running backs, particularly at Georgia. Got some at Alabama. Uh, you got some all around the league. Tylen Hill is as good as any right now. Uh, some some other thoughts I had there um, in some other games. Texas A&M, uh, I thought, did a good job against Texas State. Boy, they played a really clean game. I thought the backs did a really good job. thought Mon was terrific. I thought the receiving core really did a good job. The offensive line kept them clean. Uh, defensively, they allowed eight rushing yards, didn't give up a score. Look, they did what they needed to do against the Texas State team, dominated. In a, in a week where so many people didn't dominate, 
look, they did what they needed to do, and and obviously got a big one this week as they got to go to Death Valley and play Clemson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Duke ran over Alabama, Georgia ran over Vanderbilt, and LSU ran over Georgia Southern. Your top three teams in the conference took care of business? They did. I thought Alabama struggled a little bit against uh, Duke's defensive front in that they threw a lot of stunts uh, at Alabama's front, so they, they really didn't come off the ball and dominated. Got some work to do in their run blocking, but I thought they pass protected well. Tool was great. They found the receivers consistently. Uh, defensively, they dominated the game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, complete domination. And Arkansas was not real impressive against Portland State. Dropped a bunch of balls. They've got a ways to go defensively. They made a lot of plays. I mean, they did a really good job with pressures. Melvin uh, McKelvin, Aikum is really good. Uh, six tackles, two sacks. Kind of an ugly game, but listen, you know, winning is never ugly. Going to be a different little challenge this week with Ole Miss. As I kind of said, uh, it may be a matchup of who's going to be in the basement of the West. LSU played about as clean a game as anybody in the league this week. Um, they didn't have a lot of problem at all with Georgia Southern's defense. I thought defensively they did a really good job. Joe Burrow was outstanding, and I don't think you can ask for a better game. He didn't get pressured. The ball came out quickly. He you know, spread the ball around to 14 different receivers. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the big game against Texas this week. So, um, you know, Georgia, I thought, had not, not many issues with Vanderbilt. Um, I thought they played well early. They really leaned on all Vanderbilt's defensive front early. Um, Vanderbilt's passing game never got anything going. I was impressed with Georgia's defensive effort. I thought they did a really good job. I thought the receivers stepped up and made plays. They averaged eight yards a rush in this game. I mean, they were they got a lot of movements, and a lot of those yards were you know before guys even got touched. So um, they they didn't play their best game, did Georgia? I think you're going to see them to be vanilla again this week. Um, they got Notre Dame in another week. So um, this Georgia team is really good at running back, probably as good as any in the country, and same with the offensive line. Yeah. Well, hey, now that we've kind of recapped these, let's get – we'll start with this first one. We'll start with the big one first. Let's get uh, Billy Embody from Go247 on the line. Let's talk about this LSU-Texas matchup. And then we'll preview the rest of the games and get out of here. So let me grab uh, Billy for this quick interview. Welcome back to the SEC Football Show. We've got a special guest on the line now, Billy Embody with Go247 covering LSU and Baton Rouge. They've got a big game coming up this weekend. How's it going, Billy? What's going on? Going great, guys. Glad this one's finally here. <laughs> yeah, it should be a great one. It's going to be the feature matchup, along with AM Clemson in the nation. So much is expected. Billy, as you know, being around this LSU program, I grew up around it, coached there in the 80s. And for so long, I get asked the same question. I uh, can't leave the golf course, the supermarket, or any place in Baton Rouge without people asking me about the offense. Is it going to be different? Is it going to look different? And go through different things. And um, you know how that stuff works. It was a really good start. I, I explain to people all the time, and you know as a, as a quarterback that yourself, that um, the importance of having that trigger guy as a coach that allows you to do what you need to do offensively. So a lot of things that you want to do, you're sometimes handcuffed by it. 
Um, I've known Joe Burrow's dad, Jimmy, for years, and one of my coaching buddies, Jim Walden, who coached at Iowa State and Washington State for years. Uh, Jimmy was on his staff, and so I've known Joe for a long time, and he is a gym rat, a tough guy. I thought he did an outstanding job last week, and, and he certainly in this offseason kind of taking control of this offense. I thought the ball came out really quickly. Uh, your thoughts on, obviously, the difference in challenge this week as opposed to last week. This is the true litmus test. So your thoughts on how this offense and how it will transfer, do you think, uh, against Texas Saturday? Yeah, I, I thought uh, you hit the nail on the head. He really took command of this offense, and it showed on, on Saturday when he was moving the ball up and down the field, five drives, first-team offense, five touchdowns, only four incompletions. And look, I, I think obviously the, the competition will be tougher. They'll have to deal with more pressure from Texas' defensive line than they probably faced against Georgia Southern. But um, the system translate, pr- translates fairly well. It, it's all about getting that ball out quick, making quick decisions. Um, they, I thought they worked the zones, the soft spots in the zone of Georgia Southern really well. And that, you know, translates. And, and as long as they're on the same page, they're going to have opportunities to make some big plays, work the ball down the field, uh, take what the defense gives them. I thought the, the biggest thing uh, that they'll be able to use and take advantage of is that check down to the running backs. I thought Joe did a good job uh, working down his reads and, and then eventually, you know, going to the running back at times. And that allowed them to, to kind of peak, uh, keep picking up yards and keep moving. And uh, against the defense that they'll they'll probably face some more pressure this week. That'll be that'll be key, and 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 that type of stuff just translates. You know, he hit fourteen different receivers, so I mean, he moved the ball around very well, as you mentioned. I thought the execution was really crisp and really studying tape. Um, you know, from this weekend and looking at as many games as I could. You know, not a lot of offenses were really sharp, regardless of the level of competition. You just didn't see the timing down very good, and I thought the timing was really good, I think, as a result of quarterback play, and I think the maturity level of the offense. Um, you know, I thought the defense was was really, really good as well, and it's probably the, maybe the untold story because everybody's focusing on the offense, but talk about the defense. It's It, to me, I thought was a really disciplined challenge last week. It's going to be a different look this week. Um you know, some of your thoughts on what's the keys for this defense to have success against Sam Ellinger in this Texas offense? Well, they're going to have to account for Sam in the running game, just like they had to account uh, for George Southern's quarterback. And, and that's one of the key things that they'll have to watch as the defense is, you know, Sam's mobility and ability to tuck the ball and run. I mean, how much will that play into it? Will it be more designed? Will it be you know, keeping an eye on him as he fl- he's flushed out of the pocket? I thought Caleb on Chasson looked really, really good on Saturday night and you know, that's probably the biggest key is getting pressure on Sam because, look, he's still developing as a passer. I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily one of the best, uh, you know, quarterbacks in terms of picking you apart and going right down the field. Um, he can certainly beat you with his legs a good bit, and getting pressure will be key. And I think LSU's defense this year is poised to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback than they have in years past, whether that's dialing up pressures with Jacoby Stevens or some of the linebackers. Um, or just bringing Caleb on Chasson off the edge. Uh, this defense is set up to bring more pressure, and uh, that's the key thing. And we haven't seen anything out of the corner cornerbacks uh, just yet because Georgia Southern triple option attack didn't really take that into you know it didn't didn't really force them to to test them much. But I think LSU's secondary is probably the best in the in the country, and it'll show on on Saturday night. I think 
uh, Derek Stingley and uh, Christian Fulton are going to have big games, and Colin Johnson's a really good wide receiver, so they'll have to account for him. But I think this defense is set up to to really force uh, Sam Ellinger to beat them through the air, and I think they're going to have a tough time doing that. How do you think offensively the game plan will look comparatively speaking to, you know, what they did against Georgia Southern, you think more of the same, you think, uh, obviously they're going to the temple wise. I think you'll see some similar things, but just formationally, do you see some different things? Um, or you see a little bit more of, uh, of the same of what we saw against Georgia Southern. I think we see a little bit, a little bit more, um, uh, sophistication in their route combinations and route concepts. I was talking with somebody after the game and they said that, uh, they really only ran four route concepts, so they, it might have looked different uh, in terms of formations or how they drew it up right. uh, formationally. But the concepts that they rolled out there were really the same four ones, uh, same four uh, combinations uh, during the game, which is impressive because it, it looks so different, right? You have Fourteen different receivers, um, different guys getting the balls, but uh, it was really kind of the same stuff all game. And so I think you'll see more sophistication, uh, different looks out of the route concepts that they come with. Uh, formationally, we might see you know a, a new one here or there, but I, I don't. I think it's more in the route concepts that'll be different. Um, and they're cert- they certainly didn't uh, involve Joe Burrow in the run game, and I think that's going to be something they break out this this week. Yeah, and then for folks, you know, say the the route concepts that uh, Billy's talking about. You know, when when you have the proper spacing and how you design one route, how it affects the other is really important. And and it is interesting that when you don't run as Many of it, like, for example, Mike Leach out at Washington State has very few. It's very few routes, but they run them so precisely. Uh, what you saw is I thought really good execution. So with that, sometimes you add a little bit more to the plate. So that'll be interesting because obviously there's going to be some coverage challenges that they did not face against Georgia Southern last week that uh, may require a little bit more sophistication in this game. Yeah, they've got they've got more athletes. Uh, obviously, I mean Jalen Cook, Anthony Cook, Caden Stearns, uh, B.J. Foster. Uh, those guys back there on the back end for Texas are really talented guys. I remember covering pretty much I think all of them as recruits. I mean they're mm-hmm. just really really impressive guys. And and it's kind of and and all of them were recruited by LSU at one point or another. Caden was committed. Some people thought Jalen Jalen Green or Anthony Cook, one or the other, would end up at, at LSU. But uh, they're all facing LSU this weekend. And so I'm sure, you know, both sides, you know, the coaching staff will, will want to you know, kind of pick them apart a little bit. And, and those guys want to show also that they made the right move. You're going to Texas. So it's going to be a really competitive game. And there's so many storylines, I mean, whether it's Ed Ogeron and Tom Herman or Caleb on Chasson, you know, almost going to Texas, Joe Burrow was uh, under Tom Herman and Tim Beck at, at Ohio state. I mean, there's just endless kind of connections between these two programs on the recruiting trail or on the field. And so um, that's really, I think, a, a, an underrated part of this game. Uh, whereas you look at like Texas A&M Clemson, and it's just more of a great matchup. This one is has so many storylines, so many connections, and, and it's just going to be fun to watch. And of course, the other one that won't get, will get talked about on the outside. Inside, O is not going to say anything and we'll dismiss all of that. But let's, let's remind everybody that uh, having kind of been involved in it uh, with the coaching search, uh, as it was the past couple of times, a 
the failed runs at Jimbo, and then, of course, the flirtation by former athletic director Joe Oliva with Tom Herman, and then ultimately going to O. Oh, doesn't think, don't think that O doesn't uh, realize that, hey, yeah, you know, fine, I'm, I'm second or third choice. I'm going to show you what the third choice is going to look like. You know, that's, that's probably under his skin a little bit, although he'll never admit it. Yeah, I, I jokingly said to somebody, I said, you think you think Ed's going to sleep this week? He goes, no, 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 no. No, the red, yeah, the red, all, the, the red Bull consumption will go up even more this week. So, so uh, yeah, hey, last, last one for me. Um, you're around this team, just personality-wise. Listen, everybody's excited. Everybody says the same thing. But just what can you add to the temperament of the team going into this game? You know the confidence level is good, but – is it one of we want to get in there and kind of uh, show them we want to really attack this team? There's I, is there do you feel there's the proper respect for this Texas team? I know that there's confidence that LSU's better. They've got more athletes. Um, I know that's how they feel. But do you sense any overconfidence at all? Um, Tom Herman's had success in getting his teams up for big games. This is obviously a big one. But it's big for both. So your your thoughts on the emotion level, the temperament level, and the feel of this team going into this game? Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. Look, last year, you look at the Florida game, you look at the Texas A&M game, how both of those games kind of went for LSU. They're two games that certainly um, LSU wishes they had back. I mean, their, their season would just be so different. Uh, but I think they're examples of why this team kind of has a little bit of a chip on its shoulder heading into this year. That and but most of that team is back, right? I mean, Devin White's gone, yes. Rita Williams gone, a couple other guys gone, but all of those guys kind of remember how those things went. And just kind of like we talked about before with the Georgia Southern game, a lot of those guys said we don't want another Troy one looking ahead or this or that. Well, they took care of business there. That to me showed the biggest change in temperament uh, from this team was how they handled Georgia Southern because Ed Ogeron's teams have, were. 0-17 against the spread in non-conference games where they were favor- favored by double digits. Well, they go out and absolutely destroy Georgia Southern, so they take care of business there. Now, look, they, they watched Texas play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl last year. They know how that game went. Uh, this isn't a team that's going to be, I think, lacking respect for what Texas can do uh, to LSU if they don't bring their A game and their focus and, and do all those things that they did against Georgia Southern so well. Um, so I, I like the temperament of this team. I think they got the right leadership in place. Uh, I think they got a, an, a, an amount of confidence in themselves that is really um, the right the right level. I don't think it's a cockiness, um, which is good. And and I think sometimes, and I, I, I've kind of said this in previewing the season, uh, when you look ahead at like that Alabama game, which is on the road, sometimes it's just best to go on the road. Be kind of by yourself. You, you handle it. You know, you only have so many tickets you can give friends and family, so that's not really an issue. You just kind of get on the road, get in your hotel, hang out, and try to go ruin somebody's weekend. And and I think that's uh, a big part of this. I I don't think, and especially uh, the way uh, Texas' stadium is set up, it's kind of more of an NFL vibe uh, to it. So it's not like an intimidating place Mm -hmm. to go in and play. Um, So, look, I think it's a veteran group, great confidence uh, level in themselves, and and are coming off an impressive performance. So I think it'll, it'll all work out very, very well for them uh, come Saturday night. And I know TJ probably got something for you, but he, here's the important thing. 
tell TJ, since you guys are homeboys, I didn't realize that until we got on, uh, you need to tell, what is the Cajun dish that you would recommend to TJ the, the next time he comes to South Louisiana? Your favorite Cajun dish. Oh, man. I love crawfish, H2K. <laughs> love it. Oh, I love oh it. But a uh, uh, little char-grilled oysters from oh. Phil here in, in Baton Rouge. Yep. Yes, sir. Some butter garlic. So uh, mm-hmm. that's not an ad, but that's where I would go. There you um, go. Yeah. <laughs> you can get working on it. We're working on that. We're going to work on a barter deal for you and I, Billy. That's what we're going to do. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That yeah. works for me. The last mm. time I was in New Orleans, we uh, I came with my buddy Baker. Shout out my buddy Baker, who I know you know. Uh, we came for the Alabama LSU game, I want to say in 2016. I think that game yep. was like 10 nothing. It, it wasn't. The game wasn't great, but the tailgate was great, and we went to a place in New Orleans, and I just can't for the life of me remember where, but... Drago's. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I have no clue, um, unless you're the one that told him to, to do it, to, how, to, how to go. But we went somewhere that had, if you bought... It was either if you bought a beer, you got a dozen oysters, or if you bought a dozen oysters, you got a free beer on uh friday night and and so we had plenty of the char grilled ones and it was pretty fantastic so new orleans is my favorite food city in the in the u.s so um and you know baton rouge there too so yeah i'm down to come out anytime maybe we'll come out for the florida game or something (laughs) like that um uh are you going out to texas are you going to the game what's the what's the uh I mean, I'm sure the confidence level in the fan base is huge, but what's what's that like as well? So Shay uh, Dixon, who works with us, is, is going to be going to that game. Texas has uh, pretty strict uh, media requirements, I guess. They, it's kind of like a one-credential deal unless you're a newspaper, so it's really bizarre. But um, anyway, Shay Dixon's getting the, getting the tap on the shoulder for that game for us. But look, I mean, I've heard anywhere 25 to 30,000 fans going to head on to Austin many of which are just going to go without a ticket and try and figure it out. But uh, it'll, you know, Chris, you were here for the Georgia LSU game last year. I think that amount of travel is kind of what to expect from LSU fans when they hit Texas. Mm -hmm. I mean, Georgia had a really good showing in Tiger Stadium. Um, Great, great weekend for college football that weekend. I I, I think this weekend will be will be very similar in, in terms of how how many LSU fans travel and, and, and TJ you know just when I was coaching at LSU we, the secretaries the 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 biggest question that they had the most frequent calls would be people calling in the offseason asking about the schedule maybe two years out because they would like plan weddings and you know birth you know whatever that it, it's it's the the travel I think Georgia does a great job as well they're probably doing better job than anybody right now but lsu fans they plan all of their trips i mean this is their vacation time is they go to football games and it's usually when you get to go out like you know out to washington or you know someplace that's great but but certainly to go to texas it's not something if you think about it texas as you know the texas ou game is always in in uh, Dallas, so you don't have this type of atmosphere most of the time. It's been a while since LSU and Texas has gotten together, so they love that. That that's uh, that's huge. They're, they're going to be out. I like like uh, Billy said. I don't know how many tickets they're going to get, but there's going to be some loud Cajuns in Austin. Yeah. I can tell you this weekend <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's a reason game day is going as well. Um, okay, so I'll ask you this, Billy, and then we'll get you out of here. But 
how do you see it going down? I mean, what, what's your what's your prediction? How do you think the game kind of moves? Where where do you see this one? And how do you think we're we're talking about it on Sunday once it's all said and done? Well, I think the key right now is just how banged up Texas is at running back. It's just Keontae Ingram, who's banged up a little bit in, in fall camp as well as the starting running back. And they've got, I think, a co- converted quarterback right now uh, in their running back. They've got a converted linebacker. So that's kind of the depth chart at, line, at, uh, at running back for, for Texas. And so it's going to be a game where Sam's going to have to, you know, beat LSU with his arm. And I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that's a great, great game plan to have, but I mean, he, Sam and Joe are very similar, right? Very competitive, kind of have that linebacker mentality. But I just don't see Texas being able to put up enough points. I think it's going to be LSU 27, Texas 17. And for the record, I do think that Texas comes next year to Baton Rouge and wins. Um, so I think both road teams have success in this little series they have. Man, where can you get a prediction for next year? This man's on top of it. I love that. <laughs> Man, Billy, you you are great. We we took way too much of your time. You're just too good, and we just uh, it just couldn't stop it, man. It's uh, great to catch up with you. Hey, folks, if you are not following this guy, if you're not reading his stuff, I don't know what you're doing. If you're an LSU fan, you're an SEC fan, you're a college football fan, you need to do it. Billy, kind of give everybody an up-to-date on where they can follow you, where they can read you, all your great stuff, you and Shay and the rest of the group. Yeah, you can follow us at go247.com, G-E-A-U-X. Check us out. I mean, we'll have tons and tons and tons of content uh, there all week. Uh, We'll also have recruiting coverage on uh, the game as well. It's obviously a huge weekend in Austin, so we'll be getting reactions from the group of visitors there, just kind of whether, you know, it's LSU winning or Texas winning, we'll be getting reactions from them uh, as well. Uh, Because you can can know that uh, both of these tasks are going to be recruiting their tails off uh, especially if they if they come out of uh, the game with the dub. Big recruiting weekend for Texas. I know they've got big because they don't have this many uh, in big games like this. To, so it's really big for them for, for them. I know in that regard. So hey, Billy, thanks a bunch, man. You're the best. Thanks, Billy. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, appreciate Billy for hanging out with us uh, again. Like you said, not often that you get a uh, 2020 prediction in 2019, but glad we got both of those out of him this week. So, how do you see that one going down? How do you see well, LSU Texas? Well, I do think LSU has distinct advantages in this game. I think they're more athletic. I think they're more explosive. I think they're going to challenge Texas's defense. I think that they're going to try to slow down their pass rush. I expect them to continue to work the field horizontally in, in, as well as vertically and try to attack this secondary. I, I think that, that Burrow is a really good decision maker and some of the RPO concepts that they're using is really going to aid them uh, going forward. So um, I, I think that the key for this game and maybe the key for Texas is I don't envision a way that Texas can win unless Sam Ellinger has a great game. And if LSU doesn't contain Sam Ellinger, I'm not quite sure what the game plan would be defensively other than you've got to really bring outside pressure on Ellinger, but what we call mush rush. I think you got to rush to the heels of the tackles. You don't allow escape lanes out the middle, and you can't allow Ellinger to beat you on improvisational runs and design runs. I think that he is a, a better passer than he gets credit for, but the success in the passing game for Texas is born out of the run game success. So the more he's able to extend and make plays um, and, and it, it, you know, uh, allow the receivers to work their comebacks, 
the tougher it is to cover. LSU's got the advantage in covering Texas's receivers, but if you play a lot of man coverage and you don't spy Ellinger, then Ellinger contain what is a completely negative play and pick up a first down on third and seven. You can't allow that. So I think there are more ways in which LSU can win the game. I think they're the better team. I think even on the road, they're probably 14 to 17 points better. With that said, Ellinger is one of the great players in the country. Tough guy. In fact, you're not going to find a game with two tough hard-nosed son-of-a-guns at quarterback than Sam and Joe Burrow. Um, But I think, and certainly I would like to add, that Tom Herman really gets his team up for big games. This game is a huge game. I think that LSU is going to get Texas's best effort. I just think LSU's a little more talented, a little bit more explosive. Um, And I I think if they play smart – you know, and don't make a lot of mistakes. This is a game that LSU should win. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it'll be a good one. Like I said on uh, in the interview, there's a reason and game day is going there. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. All right, we'll stay with the big ones first. We'll, we'll do our big matchups first and kind of get to some of the lesser ones later. Tell me about A&M going to Death Valley, uh, the ACC version of Death Valley, not the one there down the road from you. Yeah, boy, you know, though you get those Clemson folks <laughs> mad when you say that because the original, the original Death Valley is Clemson, South Carolina. And as an LSU grad and having coached at LSU, we call it there as well. Um, look, this is, this is, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I will say this that AM will be prepared, they will be physical. They're going to bring it and they're going to bring it hard and they're going to bring it for four quarters. Uh, I think Kellen Mann has to have a really good game. I think that uh, Jimbo needs to get him settled early. I, it, it's an AM team that I think it's further advanced than what they were last year when they played Clemson to the hilt. It was in College Station last year. It is in Clemson, South Carolina this year. Uh, I don't think Clemson is as good as they were last year in some areas, mainly their defensive front. But they're still very athletic. They still can chase you down. And, boy, if you don't leverage the run defensively against Travis Etienne, you're going to be in trouble. So I think that Clemson is the better team, the more explosive team. I do expect them to get AM's best effort. It would be an upset, a significant one in my mind, if AM wins. I don't think that AM is quite ready to win this type of game yet. I think they're coming. I think AM's, you know, headed towards a 2020 and a 2021 run that's going to be really, really good. But right now, Clemson is further along in their program. And a lot of the guys that Jimbo's doing with it are young guys and they're trying to find their way a little bit. I would be surprised if Texas AM goes into Clemson and wins. I do know that Clemson does have games quarters within the game in which they play sloppy. They just play, you know, remind you a little bit of some of what what, what was known for years as Clemsoning, which Dabo hates. And I don't think Clemsoning is a, a real thing anymore, but occasionally it kind of rears its ugly head, uh, you know. So um, I, I think this is the type of game where Clemson will, will be fully focused 
and have their best matchup. It's a spotlight game nationally. It's a statement game. It's against the SEC. You know, Clemson has those type of malaise games against somebody in their league. You know, an early kickoff matchup against Syracuse yeah. or Pittsburgh. against BC in Chestnut Hill. But, you know, yeah. yeah, I just, I don't, I think that you're going to get the good Clemson. And I think that's going to be a little bit too much for the good AM. That's kind of how I see it. I've never seen Clemson, Clemson against a, a quality opponent, right? Like they always get up for FSU. They're always right there with the Bama. The one year they played Bama, they just weren't as talented when they played them in the semifinal. But they always get up for the big ones. And so I don't, I, I don't expect either one of these teams to be asleep. I think Jimbo does the same thing. We, I mentioned this on the ACC show. Jimbo had Florida State up to play Bama. Uh, Jimbo always got the most out of Florida State and, and got, got a lot out of A&M last year in playing – uh, LSU and the different teams that they played, uh, both Jimbo and uh, Dabo have struggled against teams they shouldn't have lost to. You know, you think about Jimbo losing North Carolina in 2016, NC State in 2012. So you may stub your toe there, but I don't think either one of these teams would be caught asleep. But I'm kind of there with you. I think that if both teams play their best, it should be Clemson going away. But if they don't, I think A&M's got enough talent to be right there and like you said on the other show, Jimbo's better schematically, and so maybe he can kind of scheme something up. But I would expect Clemson to win that one. Uh, coming off a loss, Missouri is still a pretty big favorite against West Virginia, two touchdown mm-hmm. favorite. How, how do you see that one? Noon on East, noon on ESPN two. Uh, how do you like that game? I would expect Missouri to clean a lot of things up in a hurry. I think they've got to make some adjustments on offense. Uh, West Virginia played pretty good defensively last week. They're not the same West Virginia team. Uh, this is not a team that can score a bunch of points. So I think Missouri gets right in this game and figures some things out offensively and defensively. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, I think that Brian will have another good game, and I think they'll end up winning going away there. Vanderbilt goes to Purdue. Again, another noon Eastern game. Another underrated game. A Purdue team that lost tough to Nevada. Um, in a game that they probably didn't put the foot down on the pedal long enough to finish off. So they're going to be looking to try to prevent to go 0-2, as is Vanderbilt trying to prevent to go 0-2. Vanderbilt, to me, has got to win this game at the line of scrimmage. I think they can can block Purdue's front, which is a pretty young group, but that's going to be the key. Certainly they got to get the running game going if they do so. Can they score enough points? Will they have enough of the quarterback position to match Purdue's points? Purdue's going to score some points in this game. And that may be the, the tough for, for, for Vanderbilt. I, I think Purdue's got a little bit of an edge here in West Lafayette. So uh, I think maybe um, this might be one that goes against the Commodores again for the second week in a row. BYU goes to Tennessee, 7 o'clock, also in Neyland Stadium. Tennessee's a slight favorite at home here uh, with their collapse. And, and really, I mean, would you, would you say – I know we talked about them a lot at the beginning of the show. Would you say Tennessee's loss was the worst out of everybody's when you look at Missouri, South Carolina, Florida State, all the shocking losses? Tennessee's is the worst of the, of the weekend, correct? Oh, yeah. No, that that's one that should not have happened under any circumstance, any way, shape, or form. That is kind of falls under the category of inexcusable. So how do they respond this week? Um, 
you know, you know, people will always say, well, they're not going to beat BYU because they lost to Georgia State. Well, the whole transitive property of, well, BYU is better than Georgia State. Therefore, you know, Tennessee's not going to win. No, I, I, don't, I don't look at it that way. I will say this. There's got to be some systemic changes for Tennessee to beat BYU. BYU will be physical. They are physical. Wilson will move this offense around. They've got to do a better job uh, in their landmarks and coverage. They've got to play better up front defensively, or they'll get behind in this game. And then offensively, look, they've got to be able to block a physical, mature, you know, defensive BYUs that can hang in there. Uh, they hung in with a pretty good Utah team in a rivalry game last week. Um, they, they weren't good enough to hold in for four quarters, but they're good enough to go toe to toe with Tennessee for four quarters. Now, if you had told me that Tennessee was going to win last week and you know, I, I, this is a game that was in danger for me that Tennessee at the line of scrimmage is not as good as BYU. They've got a few five stars does Tennessee on the offensive line, but they're young, not very experienced. And at this stage, uh, not playing very well. So it's a little bit of a gut check time. Um, I, I'm curious to see what the mood is in and around the team, um, how the start, whether the support's going to be good or not. I mean, it was, it was awfully, it was awfully um, tough, I think, for that fan base to deal with. And they're dealing with it and, 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 and still trying to get out of from under it. So I think this is a this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be a challenge. I don't know what to make of it because I just I think that BYU is very capable of winning. In fact, I, I, if if Tennessee had had won last week, probably would favor BYU in the game. Honestly, I just think that if there's ever going to be a rallying point for this Tennessee team and a marked improvement in terms of effort, assignment, and execution even if it means compressing the game plan to focus on execution more than deception, I think this is it. I, you know, I, I think Tennessee responds, and if they don't this week, then I think we've got a different conversation about where this season and maybe the future of Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt beginning to spiral down into an area that might end up like that uh, that boat ended up in the Vol Navy this past week pregame in which I don't know if people heard, but the Vol Navy is a big thing at Tennessee games. And there was a boat that caught on fire and sank. Was that an omen for last week's game or what? <laughs> yeah. If, if one thing could go wrong, it would for sure there. All right. We'll do a quick preview around everything else, but tell me about this uh, Arkansas miss game. And then I'll let you kind of do rapid fire through the rest of the matchups. I think it's an underrated matchup because I think it's the two teams that are not very good. They're trying to stay out of the basement, trying to find their identity. Arkansas looks better on offense, although they've made a lot of mistakes. They've got the ability to perhaps move the football a little bit. Um, Ole Miss, though, a little bit improved defensively. I thought that against uh, they did a good job, as I mentioned earlier, against a very good Memphis offense. Um, I think this is a huge game because I think the losers of this game is really looking at an uphill battle with not many wins on their schedule. So very underrated game there. And then, look, I think Auburn, uh, re, you know, uh, will, will uh, against a 
has to be careful against a good two-lane team, I'm trying to say. Uh, this two-lane team's well-coached. They can provide some challenges defensively, schematically, with what they run on offense. But I think Auburn takes care of business. I think it's certainly a letdown after you play a big game, but I think they take care of business. Florida can get correct against UT Martin. Uh, Kentucky will take care of business against Eastern Michigan. Uh, Alabama certainly is going to have their way with New Mexico State. Not big of a challenge there. Georgia won't show a lot, but will just dominate with the run game against Murray State. Uh, South Carolina is going to rebound against Charleston Southern. And then maybe a little bit of an under-radar game is Mississippi State. Let's see what they can do on offense. They've got some people back off the suspension. Let's see if they can crank up that offense a little bit against Southern Miss. That's what I'm looking for in the rest of the games this week. Case, how about some game balls, by the way, this past week? Joe Burrow gets a game ball. I mentioned one of them. Kylan Hill did a good job. Jerry Judy was outstanding. You know what? In an awful loss, I hate to do it, Jawan Jennings actually played pretty well. Tyree Phillips did a good job on, at defensive, uh, at offensive tackle rather for for um, uh, Mississippi State. Jared Hawker played well at guard for Texas A&M, and Andrew Thomas was a stud, as was Trey Hill at tackle and center for the Georgia Bulldogs. Those guys get game balls this week, but uh, no one did a better job than Kylan Hill. Yeah. For sure. Well, hey, I appreciate you for hanging out, Chris. I appreciate Billy for coming on and talking about the LSU-Texas matchup. Uh, I'm already looking forward to this weekend and certainly next week's shows to recap it all and then preview week three. Um, For a deeper dive into this, of course, you can always check out LandryFootball.com. And when you're listening to this, we have entertained some conversations. We really want to make sure we're partnering with the right people. If you have a business, a project, a side hustle, anything you're doing that you'd like us to partner with you on, uh, reach out to Chris or myself. You can reach out to Chris at the contact Chris button on LandryFootball.com. You can also reach out to me, TJ, at Big3, the number three, RollUp.com. You can shoot me an email. We'd love to partner with the right people if there's something that you're doing that you'd like us to promote on any of these uh, podcasts or the website or anything that we do there. Reach out. We'd be glad to kind of entertain that and see if that'd be a good fit. Um Chris, I'm excited for this weekend. Some really good matchups in in all of the conferences, but especially here in the SEC this week. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, they got the two biggest matchups in the nation, uh, TJ, right here in the SEC with uh, LSU playing Texas and then Texas A&M going to Clemson. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of fun. We'll break it all down again next week. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for hanging out, Chris. Hey, thank you, and we'll break it down everybody next week.